Greetings, folks of this new age. It's Moses here, and while I may be more used to parting seas and trying to get a certain group of people to listen, you know who you are, I've been doing some studying up on what you folks refer to as biblical echoes. So today we are going to discuss how to know when a, someone like a New Testament writer is referencing the Old Testament. Have you ever had that moment when you think, this sounds familiar, maybe from that time when the Israelites were, let's say, insistent on having things their own way? That's your cue to a possible biblical echo. It's like when writings from the New Testament make a nod to our older tales from the Old Testament. We make references like this all the time in real life. Suppose you and your fellow Israelites, or I mean colleagues, are gathered around this glowing table. I mean, I think they call it a projector screen, discussing some grand new scheme. Suddenly, one one elder, I mean team member, raises his staff, or as well, a pointer, and says with caution, we ought to be careful not to lead ourselves into a Jurassic Park predicament, implying that while this venture might look like the promised land at first glance, without proper guidance and foresight, we might end up just wandering in the wilderness of complications for 40 or at least a good number of years. In this way, they reference the movie Jurassic Park and how in the movie it's always a bad idea to put dinosaurs into the cages because it always makes a Jurassic Park situation. Another reference could be in Acts 2.16, which directly says, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then it gives an Old Testament quote straight away. But not all echoes are that direct. Many aren't word for word at all. To spot these subtle callbacks, consider the following. Scroll access. Did the writer even have access to the scroll in question? Think about it. It's not like we had parchment deliveries around every desert dune. Clarity. Is the reference as clear as day? like when the Israelites couldn't stop talking about the same menu of manna? Or is it more elusive? Understanding its prominence can help us judge its significance. Repetition. Ponder this. Have I come across this before? Repetitive motifs aren't just for emphasis. They help flag important messages or connections in the text. Does the reference flow with the main message? If it feels out of place, Maybe it's just a mirage, not a genuine echo. Historical sense. Even if I or another scribe were familiar with a past tale, would our brethren of that era catch the reference? Would they think, ah, clever nod there? It's crucial that any connections made resonate with the collective memories and experiences of our people. Past interpretations. Have the early church fathers or early Jewish scholars from other eras caught the same nuances. The early church fathers weren't perfect in their interpretation, but it's possible we don't catch a reference because our 21st century mindset has clouded our judgment, and therefore looking to other generations could be helpful. Narrative clarity. Does identifying this echo clear up the narrative or add depth? 
genuine echo should bring the story into sharper focus. Shared narrative structure. Stories that follow a similar sequence of events or structural patterns might be connected. This is essentially true if the structure is unique or uncommon. Contextual clues. Does the potential referencing text come shortly after the initial text in terms of chronology? If a later text seems to be responding to or continuing a conversation from an earlier work, it might be a reference. Intertextual themes. Themes that span across multiple texts, especially when explored in similar ways, can indicate intentional referencing. External confirmation. Sometimes other ancient writers or commentators might directly mention that one text references another. These external attestations can help provide confirmation. Citation formulas. Phrases like, as it was written, according to, or as the prophet says, are direct markers used in ancient texts to indicate a quotation or reference. Shared historical or cultural context. If two texts are commenting on the same historical events or cultural phenomenon, they might reference one another either directly or indirectly. Another way to know if there's a reference is by similar uses of irony or allegory. Parallelism, chiasmus, or other literary techniques can indicate a relationship between two texts. There can be a common source. Sometimes two texts might seem to reference each other when in reality they are both referencing a third common source. An example of this might be with the flood texts like Noah's Flood, Atrahasis, you have Epic of Gilgamesh. Maybe Noah's flood didn't come or didn't reference Atrahasis or the Epic of Gilgamesh. Maybe they came from the same source. Oftentimes in the New Testament, someone like Paul will use a similar Greek word to reference what was in the Greek Septuagint, which was the Bible that they were using at the time. Is also a good way to know if there's a reference. There's also sometimes where Paul is thinking of the Hebrew text, but writing in Greek. So naturally, the words aren't going to match up. His text is not going to match up with the Greek Septuagint because he's thinking of the Hebrew text. Let's relate it this way. Recall our golden calf incident. Aaron, you're still not off the hook. But what if we think about the Song of Solomon? Is there a golden calf mentioned? Not quite. So it's safe to say there's probably not a callback to our calf chaos. Another reference. In John three fourteen to 15 Jesus mentions, Just as Moses, me, lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. This harks back to an old family story found in Numbers 21, 8-9, when some of my descendants were getting snake bites. God instructed me to make a bronze snake. Anyone bitten would be healed just by looking at it. See, in this context, the people of Jesus' time would be very familiar with the book of Numbers. It was like a family memoir. By Jesus' time, it was pretty much like an age-old classic that everybody knew. Recurrence. While this bronze serpent story isn't brought up all that often in what folks call the New Testament, there's still a common thread about seeking salvation from something raised high. So it raises the probability that Jesus was referring to this text. 
The story of the bronze serpent in Numbers isn't mentioned all that often, so it lowers the probability that Jesus will be mentioning it. In this case, the story fits perfectly. Both scenarios, from Moses' snake to Jesus' crucifixion, speak of salvation coming from above, so it fits perfectly in this context for Jesus to use. Additionally, in Jesus' time, it's very likely that they would have understood as this as a reference to salvation. Therefore, his audience would easily understand it. Therefore, it would make sense for Jesus to use this as a metaphor. It's kind of like reminiscing about how the ark kept my gramps Noah safe, drawing on parallels with new ways to stay afloat in rough times. So while I'm still getting my head around all these modern inventions, you wouldn't believe how long it took me to research this on an iPhone. This age-old connection between scriptures is something I find truly timeless. Even in a world as advanced as yours, looking to the past can shed light on the present. And now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go figure out what cloud storage is. I was hoping it might help with making mana predictions.